Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word relatable, defined by Merriam-Webster as possible to understand, like, or have sympathy for because of similarities to oneself or one's own experiences. My guest for this episode, the fabulous Rachel D'Alto, is not only relatable herself, but she wrote the book on it, appropriately titled Relatable, How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere, Even If It Scares You. I have to say, I read it, it's wonderful, and it is available out now, so go grab a copy. Rachel is a relationship expert. You know her from Lifetime's Married at First Sight, plus TLC's Kate Plus Date and many guest appearances on the Today Show, Access Hollywood Live, and Fox News. Rachel also has a law degree and a master's in psychology and has given three TEDx talks, including Being Authentic in a Filtered World, which is featured on TED.com. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, Barbara. So I have read Relatable, but since not everyone has, can you explain exactly what relatability is? Yes. And it's it's so interesting because I remember talking to you after Married at First Sight ended and I left and people were sending me these messages saying, why did you leave? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you left. You're the most relatable expert. And I understood the, the definition of it, like the one that you just read, but I started to think about it in terms of what's this bigger idea? What's this bigger theme that I'm seeing? Because people are feeling like they know me and connected to me through a screen. So who else is doing this? Because I don't think that we should all be research projects of one. Uh, so I started really studying it. And to me, relatability is just this they take everything to a different level. It's not just likability, because I think that it's very different to be liked versus who do I want to hang out with? Who do I want to spend time with? Who do I want to invest my energy in? That to me is relatable. It's you're connecting to someone in a way that's so beyond just, yeah, I like them. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll click their, you know, the heart on their Instagram feed versus, oh my gosh, that is somebody that I really want to spend time with. That's somebody who I, I want to get to know. When I saw your book was coming out, you know, I think I leapt out of my chair. I know I emailed you within seconds or sent you a DM or something going, please, 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 please. Because so many of the people who listen to the podcast are already in media or using media to, you know, grow their businesses, sell products, scale, what have you. Relatability is essential. Everyone's got to be relatable. That's the world we live in. And that's because my premise is everyone has to be camera ready because we're all on camera now. So I want to dive deep into that because you got it's beyond likability, but also you could be relatable and have in theory nothing in common. I mean, coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different parts of the globe. If you could dive in there a little bit just to get you know further into the definitions or how you define relatable. Yeah, and I definitely I, I dive into it in the book as well, where I really found these three pillars are what draws us to people beyond just likability, beyond just a you know that's a cool person, and so it's connection, which is authenticity, which I have a hard time every time I say it, I was like I know everybody talks about it, I know I have to add this caveat in, but authenticity in a way that you don't have to have the same experience. You just have to be real. You have to show up as who you are. And you and I both know, especially in this industry, you see so many people and you're like, that's not who you are. 
So you show up and you're on camera, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, and you're either you're on lives or you're in pictures. And it's like, that is not you. So connecting from your heart, connecting from your personality, whether that is uh, similar to someone or not, whether that is appealing to someone or not, it's who you are. So the people that you're drawing in are very much more connected to you because they get you. And I think something I always say is, how can someone actually like or love you if they don't know you? So how can actually someone hire you and know who you are that they're bringing in if they don't know who you are? So we really have to focus on that connection. And then I go into the other two pillars. You know, you did a really good job in the book and gave some great examples of you know, attending events and meeting people and seeing the disconnect between who your outward facing brand is and who you are as a person. And then I'm sure the psychologist in you also feels for like, wow, that's a hard way to live yeah. when in that kind of disconnect. So that that's a sec that's another episode potentially. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, you're telling yourself that you're not enough as you are. That's all you're doing. Every time that you show up in a way that is completely unaligned, it's one thing. I love my filters. I will put an extra coat of mascara on before I get on camera with you. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to show up as me. But when you are doing this to an extent that you're just abandoning who you are, then there's something that needs to reconnect between your head and heart. Mm. That's another thing I loved about the book too, was at the end of every chapter was you know the exercises so this isn't just a theory, but you're showing me how to apply this in my life. And I loved the mantras at the end. Yay. I did too, because we can change our brains. I think that's so important to recognize is that we're not stuck. We're not stuck. We are in a place where our brains are malleable. And if we start to actually repeat these things to ourselves and make it part of this walking practice, things start to shift. I've seen it. I've been doing this for 10 years and I've seen how it works. So I wanted to make sure that it was incorporated in a way that everybody could take those and start to make changes in their own life. Even if they, they read half the chapters and in, in, you know implement half of those things, they're going to be in a better place. Can we just sit with that for one second? Because that's really important, the neuroplasticity component um, yeah. to get all fancy. But no, because I think some people may hear this and think, but I can't, you know, so-and-so is relatable. I'm not, I'm stuck. I've always been this way. So just to give you a second to repeat that, the fact that it, it's true that people can change, we yes. evolve and we grow. And so just to, you know, with your psychology hat on to remind us how that actually works. The neural yeah, neuroplasticity is like my favorite word. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I just think it's so cool because it's so true. And how I liken it in the book is our brains are like Play-Doh. And yes, there are some people who have fallen to neurodivergent categories or, you know, there's always caveats, but for the vast majority of people, and I haven't met many people who aren't able to start to bring awareness to what they think about and start to shift it. And it starts to shift from negative to positive. It can start to shift from unmotivated to motivated, uncreative to creative. And we have so much control in that, except most of the time, we're all living on autopilot. We're all in this, like, it's much easier to just drive along the road that we've been driving along a million times and try to find that other path that may be better, but it's too scary. So we just stay on that path, even though it's a detriment to us. Mm, I talk a lot about the false notion of being it, it, your safety zone is actually probably a really unsafe place to stay because it doesn't get you anywhere. Okay. Now I'm, I'm, I'm really sitting there in real time going, okay, what do I ask you about next? Because I was really fascinated um, in the way you dive into the issues around social anxiety yes, and, um, 
and how this impacts work. And so obviously in the media space, this is huge. I mean, being relatable is often a criteria and yet so many of us don't know how to do it, which is why everyone needs to buy your book. So overcoming social anxiety, which is a huge thing. But then the other that I love was even technique wise. And I want to talk about ESP. Yes, yes, yes. Well, social anxiety in general, I just want to like definitely dive into how normal it has become um, because it is absolutely something that people have not recognized as just all over the place. There are so many people out there that are suffering from social anxiety, that are suffering from it in silence because they think that they're alone in it. And in this day and age, we have gotten to a point where social anxiety is becoming the norm. Social anxiety is getting Mm. to a place where, especially after this entire COVID experience, we're in a place where social anxiety is just rampant. So for anybody who's listening and has it, just knowing that it's okay, and that there are places that you can, you know, take steps towards, and there's things that you can do to bring yourself out of it. Uh, it's it's one of the more treatable things that you can really dive into. So that was that was kind of the impetus of everything because I saw it so oftentimes in college students, in millennials, uh, just people who have grown up with social media and comparing themselves, and now think that they're not enough to show up in real life. So that's kind of like the. <laughs> <laughs> the caveat there that I just, I'm so passionate about it, but uh, ESP is the way I like to communicate. So I don't know, do you want to just dive into that or? You don't have to be a mind reader. <laughs> nope. This is not the psychic network, though I love them too. This yes. is a different kind of ESP. Yeah. And it's about our words because words do matter. And I do talk about how semantics aren't everything, but they are something. And so our communication has to have that twofold experience. So when we are talking about words, we want to be conscious of our word choices, especially in the media. You want to understand that your words are going to be very powerful. So I always say be empathetic, straightforward, and positive. So if you don't remember anything else, if you can mix those together and really create a cocktail where the words that are coming out of your mouth are going to be delivered in a way that is more beneficial to whatever you're trying to do. If you're trying to sell something, if you're trying to connect with somebody, if you're trying to just build an audience or build a friendship. Um, So choosing empathetic words, we oftentimes don't put ourselves in the position of someone else. We don't stand in their shoes. We think that whatever our position is, is what matters. And we see that I, I can read someone's socials like from a mile away, I was like, oh, they need some, <laughs> they need some EQ. <laughs> and it's, it's a tough thing because they're typically not the ones who are willing. They're, they're probably not reading this book. <laughs> Hopefully they are. Um, straightforward is, you know, it's easy for some people, but being straightforward can be really difficult for a lot of people. And I know I've seen this and actually, even if I'm going to be very re- reflective on my, myself, when I was doing Married at First Sight, I had a hard time being as straightforward as I needed to be because I wanted to make people like me. I wanted, it was my first experience on a national scale where I have millions of people watching, but not only watching, but judging. Cause you know, as soon as you're on something like that, people have opinions about everything from, you know, your eyelashes to your shoes, to your, to your words, to the way that you show up. And so I was in a position where I was like, okay, I want to I want to coat this, but it doesn't always come across the right way. So you want to be straightforward. You don't want to beat around the bush. You don't want to choose passive aggressive ways of of communicating. And then positivity. And this comes from even from a dating perspective. So 
I still, I match as spokesperson, work with them. And I see oftentimes where people are trying to essentially sell themselves on a dating app. And yet they're saying things like, don't contact me if, don't do this. I don't want that. And it's like, guys, (laughs) a little bit of positivity goes a long way. You don't have to be Pollyanna. So utilizing those three together, just when you are choosing your words are so important so that you land in a more relatable way. Mm. You know, the correlation too, between positive and straightforward, because depending on how you're raised or your generation. So I grew up in this idea that um, maybe straightforward equals blunt, because what we're really getting into is tone, which can tap into the empathy. But I, I love what you brought up about that, because often being straightforward is actually is more positive. It's not confusing. It's actually kind. And depending on your energy and your intention and your choice of words. Yeah. When you mix those last two together, like if you do the straightforward positive sandwich, you don't have to worry about it, about being too, too blunt or too aggressive. You know, if you're still thinking about, okay, I want to be straightforward about this, but I want to be positive. All of a sudden the combination is going to land in a very different way uh, than if you're just bluntly straightforward with a little bit of anger. I don't recommend that. (laughs) I think also something that, you know, you always do on camera and I think you're doing it innately, but it's important to point out to anyone who's watching again, the the, the relatability factor is some kind of expert, subject expert, host, what have you, is when you're more concerned about the impact you're having on other people, you're way more relatable than if you're looking inward and focused on, you know, being perfect right there. I I think you are inherently relatable because you're always showing up for others. Thank you. And I think part of that too, is because I have my eye on my purpose Mm. and that is such an element. And there was a study that just came out that I thought was so interesting where they were talking about social media because I've studied a lot of my research when I was getting my master's was a lot about social media and social anxiety because I just, I found it so fascinating. I've never learned so much of all the hundreds of thousands of dollars I've spent on education. That master's I learned. And one of the studies I was reading said that people who have purpose are less emotionally affected by anything on social media. So they study people who have that kind of trajectory and I call it the then what, but when you have that purpose, when you have that, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't care about the superficial stuff. I don't care about how many likes I get. I don't care about the views. I don't care about how I look necessarily. Uh, And so all of these things I think make an impact of how you show up and how you relate to others because we see that, we feel that, right? We feel that in in how you how you interact with everybody, whether it's online or offline. So I, I just I think that's what saves a lot of people is that if you can really figure out like why am I doing what I'm doing? And it doesn't have to be this, you know, philosophical approach to your life where, you know, my purpose is to be, no, my purpose is to like, my purpose is to take care of my family or my purpose is to, to, to get through the day, (laughs) whatever it is, like keep your eye on the prize. And then everything else doesn't feel as, as important to, you know, to, to worry about and to get distracted by. Are there ever moments when you're in the midst of something and you're feeling disconnected from yourself and you're like, wow, I'm not feeling very relatable right now? All the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All the time. There's been times where, and, and I'm super cautious about my, just my, <laughs> my sleep is going to sound so lame, but I sleep a lot and I'm so honest about it. I mean, I sent a, a text to my friends the other day showing my sleep thing. Cause I track it on my watch and I slept like 11 hours. I, I have problems, but anyway, I, I find it when I am not rested, my nervous system goes into overdrive and then I can feel the disconnect. 
I can feel the words not coming out of my mouth, right? I can feel myself being far more negative or, or down. And so part of that is, you know, really understanding you feel it physically too, but also that mental disconnection is, is so evident sometimes. And I separate myself. I'll be like, nope, I'm putting myself to bed or I'm stepping outside of if I'm at an event and I've kind of hit my wall because I'm sure you've had this. And now that events are starting again, I was like, uh, the first event I went to, within a couple hours of that first day, I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> I got to step away because my impression is not going to be relatable. It's going to be, that girl's really cranky. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine you being really, really cranky, but point taken. <laughs> I was like, I have some people that are in the house right now that might disagree with that. <laughs> well, another topic I talk about a lot in the space is stamina. And so- yeah. No, but so part of that all, it all interrelates is the stamina, the self-care component so that you can show up and be relatable. And so there are times when you have to stop and look inward and say, and you talk about it in the book, it's, it's taking, it's checking in with yourself. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Maybe I should step aside or change my energy or go do whatever so that I can, yes, show up and be more relatable. Okay. So something I just incredible was the notion of inspiring your, and then what? So explain yeah. please what that even means. It's so good. Yeah. I just, I, I saw in terms of like the, the core of relatability just had these pillars, communication and connection were so solid, but then the people that I would look at that had the true relatability, they had something extra. There was this spark to them. There was, you know, kind of the, the star power that you look for in casting. It's like, there's something else there. And what I realized it was, is that they had this, then what? They had an inspiration, kind of like what I was just talking about in terms of that purpose. They had something beyond themselves and something that they were just, that they were lit up by. And when you are talking to someone who is lit up by something, they shine brighter. You find yourself naturally drawn into them more so because of that. So it's it's the most difficult one, I think, to really kind of get a hold of and requires the most amount of introspection. <laughs> My favorite review uh, was this, this gentleman who was completely honest and I, I, I applaud him for it. He's like, you know what? seemed like a good book. There was a lot of really good things, but like this one required a lot of introspection and I didn't have the energy. <laughs> I said, okay, dude, <laughs> at least you know yourself, <laughs> but it does. It takes a minute and people are so not interested often in doing the work, but this requires the work of what lights me up, what lights me up. And it doesn't have to be forever. It could be, you know, something that evolves over time. I'm sure as my career has changed, my then what in terms of my career has changed, my my then what in terms of my life has changed from where I was focused primarily on, you know, all career all the time. And now it's, no, my then what has to encompass, what does my family feel like? Like, what does my life feel like? And so all of those elements have to work together. So we talked about how to overcome being socially awkward and our social anxiety, which I agree with you is for all of us is been exacerbated by the pandemic because even as you talked about going back to events, I was like, oh, interacting with people, huh? Crowds haven't, haven't done that yet. But I want to go back to the techniques and two things that you mentioned in the book, which I think are actually, they're challenging for many of us. And those are eye contact oh. and active listening. So let's break it down. 
Yeah, eye contact is a tough one, and especially for those with social anxiety, because it does feel uncomfortable. And I remember on Married at First Sight, one of the intimacy exercises that I made them do was to stare in each other's eyes for three minutes. I mean, they're married at this point. They, they got to figure this stuff out. But it is so intimate. It is absolutely something that can really mess with your head if you're not ready for it. So I don't want people to stare people down for, for hours on end. But if you are not making eye contact, and this happens on Zoom too. So often we're, we're on these calls and you know when someone's just completely checked out because they're not anywhere near the screen. I know the camera can get weird with the, the Zooms and the platforms and stuff, but if you're not even anywhere in the zone, <laughs> you know that that person's not invested and it's even worse in, in everyday life. And we know how it feels, yet we do it so often. And so it's just bringing awareness, like you said before, uh, just having that seed well, starting to just recognize and starting to be aware of how often do I make that and how can I make an intention to, to show up differently and to show up more intentionally with my eye contact. Uh, but also, you know, look away on occasion. <laughs> we don't, I, if someone's out there listening, they're like, well, so I just have to stare them down. But no, when someone else is talking or when you're talking, do your best to probably go 80, 20. If we're, mm -hmm. I hate to add, you know, numbers to it because then people with anxiety will be like, oh, shit, I showed up at 70%. <laughs> You know, so we don't want that, but utilize it for 80% of the time and then 20% of the time look away so that it doesn't feel too uncomfortable. Uh, and then active listening, I think is curious listening. I think that, you know, active listening is cool. Like we want to pay attention. We want to be invested. But if you want to show somebody that you're actually there, because at the end of the day, if we want to be relatable, we're not only relaying who we are, but we are interested in who they are and it makes them feel important, them feel seen and heard. We have to be curious about them. And so often we're just not curious. Like you in this interview have been so curious and you can tell that, you know, you're interested in it. And there's conversations that people are having out there where they don't care and it shows. So getting that curiosity and lighting that spark can just make the most enormous difference in a conversation. Huge difference and so much in work. Oh my gosh. When I was a young assistant listening to my bosses talk over each other. So much cross talk. I was like, wow, we could solve all the world's problems if these two would just listen to each other. Like, honestly. Just stop talking. But I want to go back to what you're just talking about eye contact because I do, back in the day when people came into my office, we would play the staring game that you play when you're a kid and you can't blink or look away. And I was like, I know it's creepy and weird and so uncomfortable, but once you master that, you can, you can look away, but until then no looking. Yeah. Right. But here are real life examples of where to build up to that I think are game changers for everyone. And I've seen it happen in my own life. So one, you know, if you go back into a Starbucks or anywhere and you have to realize all day long, these people are working hard, slamming drinks, and all they see are people's foreheads because everyone's looking down at their phone and waving it in front of the, you know, cash or whatever, the pay thing. So the minute you look up and look at someone in the eye and just gently, kindly say, hi, I'd like A, you've totally changed the situation and you'll 100%. see somebody else, their body language shift. And then it's all likelihood that you'll get better service. Body language, eye contact, warmth and a smile can make a big difference in these situations. And it's just the, the world is giving us, you know, opportunities to practice all the time. So you can do the rehearsal before you have to go out there for the big, you know, job interview or you're going on the, you know, the big dates. So yes. And then also just uh, hammer this home one more time. When it comes into the Zoom and the, and the work that we do, I can't tell you how often I actually stop 
in the audition or when I'm training and actually tell people where the camera is. Again, not to belittle people, but every platform yeah. is different. So even, you know, Zoom, your camera is different on your phone, different on your tablet, different on your computer. So you want to learn where that is because that can make or break if you're making eye contact versus looking off. And now I would call that an unforced error, like in baseball. It's like, you know what? That's something within your control. So master yeah. all of that. Yeah, there's no excuses on that one. You got to you got to figure that out, especially in this industry. So important. But in any industry because you know what? Auditioning and job interviews are like first dates. Yeah. And first dates are their own kinds of auditions and interviews. It's all the same skill sets, which is why I just think again, relatability is the most like amazing awesome. By the way, did you stop and go I can't believe this isn't already a title of a book when you did your title search? Did you die? I did. Yeah, I was actually really surprised that it was not it was not out there because I had started it as a keynote. I started the, uh, kind of testing out this big idea of, you know, this is what I really want to talk about. And I said, all right, I'm going to start doing this as a keynote. Let me see if anybody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody. Okay. Amazing. And again, yeah. I love the idea of like seeing an opportunity and going for it. And, yeah. and also questioning, because you didn't say, oh, I can't do that because I'm sure 10 million other people have done it. You tested your theory, so I love. Two, what has been some of the most surprising feedback you've gotten on that? Or even when you started pitching, even pre-book, when we're talking about, you know, from the keynote? Uh, you know, I think the most interesting thing is because the keynote that I, I do with it is interactive. And one of the things that people were saying when I... when I started doing it. They're saying, nobody's going to want to do anything. Like nobody's going to want to, like you think about people at a conference and you think about, I speak to a lot of younger people and they're like, people that age aren't going to want to interact during it. Like just get through your hour and take your check home and call it a day. And I said, no, this is a really important element of it that needs to be integrated. And so I will never forget the, <laughs> this probably isn't the smartest for most people, but the first time I actually gave the keynote was for 4,500 people. So there are four breaks within the relatable keynote. And so 4,500 people, you have to bring them back. So you know, you tell people to talk amongst themselves, you may never bring them home. Uh, they might still be talking. So one, I had to bring them back. And two, I had to get them, they were all college students. So I had to get them to actually do it instead of just sit there and laugh at me. Do you know they did it? Not only they did it, not only did they come back when I asked them to come back within seconds, but they, it worked. I was getting messages for weeks later. I was getting messages months later saying that really impacted me. Some people that they met for doing, doing the forced interactions, they are now friends with. And so that was the part where I got, I get goosebumps now just talking about it because I said, oh my gosh, like this is a, a theory that I tested and it worked. And now how do I get it beyond just the people that I can get in front of physically? So that was just the most surprising thing. One that people are willing to do, they're willing to do it. And then it, it does beautiful things when they do. Oh, wow. It just tells you we are so hungry for yeah. the connectivity and the relatability. And I think that I put that in my notes as I was you know, reading the book, because there is an epidemic of loneliness across the board from you know kids to elderly people. And I, I love the, oh, I'm going to screw up the classic saying about, you know, the journey, it's like the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Um, yep. It's the idea that your book is a wonderful, accessible, relatable first step. And the idea that, you know, change your energy, change your life. And I just love it. 
Thank you. That means so I, it's overwhelming, like to, to feel that and to, to hear that. So thank you. So good. One last question. How do your kids handle this? Because it's like when mom has superpower skills around this, it's awesome, <laughs> but it's also kind of not awesome. When mom <laughs> Tom, can read the cues. Oh my gosh. Well, one, so my son's in college now and he actually brought a book home with him because we got the hard copies right before he went back to school because we could get them a little early. And he picked one up and I said, Alex, you're going to bring that with you? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing that with me, which was a complete change from when I was doing primarily romance focused relationship things when he was like, yeah, my mom's a lawyer. <laughs> he just skipped over. So I think, I think he's finally proud of what I'm doing or maybe it was pro proud before just a little embarrassed as well but it's so funny with my daughter who's 11 just switched schools sixth grade you know that middle school years and uh, you know I do have to admit if I'm being completely relatable I am very different with my children than I am with other people because they're stuck with me forever and my patience level is far lower but on good days we talk through things and I use everything that I talk about in the book everything that I talk about and we had a whole uh, she was having a rough time uh, last year, which is kind of why we switched schools, but also we moved. And I said, this is the, this is the summer of confidence. <laughs> I said that to my friend the other day. She says, only you <laughs> would create like a summer of confidence. And we did this, this whole thing where we did, uh, you know, surfing camps and we talked every day about being positive, being confident and how we could work through it. I recorded a meditation for her to listen to so that she could at night get it, you know, kind of repeated in her brain. So I, I, I hope she appreciates it or she could hate it. I'm not actually sure. Will you adopt me? <laughs> yeah. So I, I try, I try. I mean, I might as well, like, listen, if you can use it to help other people, you got to use it to help the people closest to you. Mm. I try. I adore you. <laughs> you are such a gift. So I want to encourage everyone listening by Relatable everywhere where books are sold. And you can connect with Rachel at Rachel D'Alto. Everywhere. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you'd like to learn how to be more relatable on camera and in presentations, shoot me a note at bba at ableintermedia.com. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.